0: Welcome to Folklore Friday.
1: A werewolf can be killed only with a silver bullet. Because I'm the chosen one and there are vampires? You are the boy. aren't real. Once the world was full of wonders, but it belongs to humans now.
0: I myself am strange and unusual. In the episode description, I have listed the segments of the show with their minute markers. That way, you can skip right to what you want to hear.
1: Now time for some everyday folklore.
0: Breaking a mirror is seven years' bad luck. This superstition is believed in various parts of the world. But where did this belief come from? Many cultures believe that a mirror can be a window to the soul. Which is why many folkloric beliefs are that supernatural creatures, such as vampires, have no reflection because they have no soul. The lore of seven years' bad luck upon breaking a mirror is thought to originate from Roman lore. The belief was that every seven years, life and the soul would renew itself, and any parts of your life that were not quite right would fall into place, and all would be right. A mirror was thought to have a window to the soul. So, if a mirror was broken, especially if your image was the final thing it reflected then you were bound to endure seven long years of misfortune until the cycle ended and your good luck was renewed. And since we are human we are prone to be clumsy in one way or another. So there were measures that could be taken to avoid misfortune if you happened to break a mirror. Some of the rituals included taking the shattered pieces and burning them by the light of a full moon or taking one fragment to a cemetery and placing it against a tombstone to transfer the bad luck to someone who no longer roamed the earthly plane. The thought was the bad luck would dissipate into the ground since the soul was no longer there to attach itself to. In Russia and Kazakhstan, Breaking a mirror evicts evil spirits from their home. They will haunt the person who caused the damage as an act of revenge. In feng shui, a broken mirror distorts good energy. In Switzerland, the last person to look in a broken mirror is the first to die. But others claim your misfortune depends on how the mirror breaks. If it breaks into small pieces, your bad luck will be small. But be afraid if your mirror breaks into large pieces, because your bad luck will be significant. And once the mirror is broken, looking at your reflection in the shards is bad luck in both India and Russia. In psychology, there is a term called the broken mirror syndrome. It is applied to women who have suffered domestic abuse from a male partner. The thought is that she no longer sees herself as whole and complete, but broken. Only viewing herself through the eyes of her abuser. Although this term is metaphorical, it does paint a picture of how viewing yourself through the distorted view of an abuser can make one feel broken. Is it possible that in the past, when people would see their reflection in broken pieces of a mirror, it would scar them psychologically. Could it be that seeing one's reflection literally broken into pieces was so emotional that it was easy to think that misfortune lay ahead? To see one's face in shards could remind someone that as humans, we are breakable physically and emotionally. And the lives we live are just as fragile. So, which is it, a superstitious belief that the soul renews every seven years, or the psychological effects of seeing one's reflection in broken glass? Tell me, what do you think?
1: Now
0: back to your regularly scheduled program. Okay. Hello again. So I'm joined again by my friend Holly. Hello. Oh, and my name is Megan. I keep introducing my guests, but not myself. So I'm your host, Megan. (laughs) And Holly is doing a FaceTime with me because... I he, I went through and I was editing our episode and there was just a few things that we said that were inaccurate. We were comparing this story to another story and we were just bashing on that other story, which there's a lot to bash. But the things we were saying weren't accurate. And so there's a lot of it I couldn't use. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it's because Holly and I think very similarly.
1: <laughs> so. it, it is true.
0: Yes. <laughs> and there was just also some good stuff that I wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about. And it gives me an excuse to call Holly. <laughs> so um, if you don't know, Holly lives in Spokane. I live in Bellingham. So that's where we're doing FaceTime. And I let, I, when I went to visit her and her husband, I logged on to two of my streaming accounts. And then, I, and then I said, you need to watch this show on this one. And then this show on the other one. And so I gave him Hulu and Shudder. And it hasn't affected us at all, by the way. Like, oh,
1: good.
0: So, because I told Chris, and he was like, you what? <laughs> I was like, well, I'm the one that pays for Hulu and Shudder. So I think I can decide. <laughs> He's like, okay, but if it cuts out, like, you got to change your password. <laughs> but it's it's totally fine. But you guys watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which was the show that I suggested.
1: So good. Oh my gosh. We already finished it. Um, it's so yeah.
0: good. What else have you been <laughs> watching right. on Hulu? So on let's see.
1: So we did 9-9, nine, nine, and I'm
0: not gonna lie, oh my 9-9? Nine nine. Right? Oh, I love it. Okay. <laughs>
1: coo, coo, coo. Anyway, uh so <laughs> Andrew and I quote it all the time now. It's so
0: easy to do. It's so fun. <laughs>
1: so amazing um and then I found out that um Chip and Joanna Gaines is a fixer-upper and I used to watch that show when I was younger and actually had TV Mm -hmm. and I remember some of the episodes and oh my gosh I flipped when I saw that on there and so I started watching that and then I realized that I can only watch it on weekends because I was watching it during the week, and then I realized I was not going to bed if oh, I watched no. it during the week. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I had to like. You gotta pace yourself. <laughs> to not watch it during the week. I'm only allowed to watch it on weekends. So I like, guess what I'm doing tonight? I
0: I have done yes, I've done similar. <laughs> similar
1: There's shows that it's just like it make, you you get so involved, mm-hmm. and you just get so wrapped up. You yeah. just can't help it. Next thing you know, it's
0: like 2 o'clock in the morning and you have to be up at 5. And I'm like, oh my gosh, did, did that just happen? Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why Chris and I have the rotation rule. Like, we don't just binge something. We say, okay, let's watch an episode of The Great and Supernatural and Criminal Minds. And so, because you're getting this, like, mini story, but sometimes i will get on a kick. There's some shows that are too much you can't watch like i do catherine or it's called the great but it's about catherine the great you would not like it it's like it's really explicit like when they do sex stuff they do sex stuff when they do violence they do violence and it's like oh my god and so like that's the show you can't binge so we usually do our harsh shows first and then the medium, and then we end on a comedy, because I like, I can't end the night on Criminal Minds, because I'm just like, oh, okay, I gotta, yeah. <laughs> I gotta cleanse my palate. So we always have, and it, yeah, we have an extreme show, a medium show, and a comedy. And our comedy right now is How I Met Your Mother. Editor's note, BTW, I am aware that there are things that can be problematic with How I Met Your Mother, because it's an older show. And since this podcast is half film and TV reviews, I'm aware it's an all white cast. And one of the characters is pretty much a womanizer. So even though I watch it, I acknowledge it's problematic. Just had to put that in there. Okay. (laughs) So that's like what we watch when we're done watching the other stuff.
1: (laughs) Nice. Yeah.
0: Hey, Strangelings, so because this is a review of a full season, I have the review split into three episodes. So this is more so a review for fans of the show, A Discovery of Witches, because there is so much to talk about. The book series is jam-packed, and so is the show. There's so many different themes and metaphors that I am in love with, and so I do think it's worth my time to talk about. I don't think I've split anything up into three episodes before, but I love it so. And so, I hope you enjoy. Okay, so we split this episode up into two parts because there was a lot to talk about, and we're re-recording some of it. So some of the audio is going to be different because I'm going to include some of the stuff that we said, and then I'm going to include some of this stuff. So it will be a little wonky, but... As someone that wants to analyze things, I'm going to always analyze them in a fair way, even if I don't like the story. And this story I love, but there was another story we were comparing it to, which I don't like, and I was giving a lot of biased opinions. So I'm being an adult, so I'm correcting myself. (laughs) Okay, so one of the things that we talked about is that there was a review that said that this story was derivative. And derivative meaning... We've seen this storyline before. I don't agree with that. And here's some of the reasons why. Number one, the vampires had no fangs.
1: Right?
0: (laughs) And when we we were watching that, did we even talk about it? I don't even think we talked about it. It was just... I
1: I feel like we mentioned it at one point, but... Everything was just so smooth. I don't know if this is like the right way to put this, but whenever they would bite somebody, it was always so smoothly done. Uh-huh. That I never really thought to think, oh, yeah, they don't have banks. Like, Yeah. I don't know.
0: No, it's it so just, true like, because...
1: It's so weird to think about. It was
0: really an effortless kind of story to watch. And they didn't focus on the blood and the gore. The story was the storyline was all of these different things happening. And it was only until I was going back through it with a fine tooth comb to get clips for the podcast. And I want to do like a YouTube review where I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks. That's a huge difference. Very, very big. Because if you uh, so go ahead.
1: <laughs> oh no, I was just going to say, cause I cannot think of, Like there are a decent amount. I mean, even just all the different versions of Dracula that Mm -hmm. are out there, like just all the different versions and different genres of vampire. And as far as I can remember now, granted, you may want to double check me, but as far as I can remember, every single one of them. They always had fangs. Like that was one of the key ways is to tell that someone was a vampire. Yeah. Or did you have some that until they were ready to feed, their fangs would grow,
0: or, they'd just or they drop have, down? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Or yeah. You know, like yeah. Or they would just be there all of the time, or you know, for whatever reason, kind of a thing. Yeah. But they were always there, uh-huh. like in, to some degree, and so. To me, it's just such a weird concept to think. I know I'm a vampire without things. F- I just it, it just kind of blows my mind. It's <laughs> it's
0: really unique, and I think it goes into because we talked about um, how the the demons also just look like people, and everyone looks for the most part human unless you're supernatural. You can like sense things, and it just goes into that. I don't know. It, it I really like the way she wrote it because they all there's all of this like intolerance between the species and like it's like a metaphor for racism. And yet, if you stand them up next to each other, you're not going to know who's who or what's what. You're not going to know a demon from a witch, from a vampire from a human because they all look the same. And there's just something kind of like really equalizing about that and it's it's interesting. And so About the fangs, there was, like, one part, because I was trying... I went through it, and you can see him bite, but there's only one part you see actual, like, bite marks, and it's when Matthew is fighting with Baldwin. (laughs) (laughs) And he bites Baldwin, and when he pulls his head back, it's a full bite mark. It's, like... If you bite into an apple, it's not like the two fangs, and so I was like, "Oh my god, yeah!" <laughs> like there really are no fangs, and that's and that's something that um you'll find when you read the book is the way Deborah Harkness writes it is she compares vampires more so to wolves than to to bats, and it's this really really unique. They don't really have a lot of time to do that in the show. There's one part in the show where. Diana's trying to figure out what she's going to feed him for for dinner. And she has like her laptop open. It says feeding habits of wolves. And that's like the one thing oh, that they should. Right. Yeah. And I didn't because we were just into the story. I didn't want to be that person. I was like, oh, so in the book, um, it says. <laughs> so, but they do get more into it in the second book because um, they go back in history or in the past, and there's different things where people say, oh, a werewolf, there was a werewolf attack or whatever, and they say that all things, people that they thought were werewolves, they were actually vampires, and it just psychologically felt better for people to imagine that it was an animal-like creature rather than someone that looked human, which is very, like, spot-on for psychology. And so, even though... I freaking love werewolves. That was my only problem with this whole series, is that it didn't have vampires, witches, and werewolves. I was a little bummed out, but the more I got into it, I appreciated how unique this storyline was because it's no, it just never has been done before. Where they're not like bats; they're actually like wolves. And it's right. and when you read the book, you're you'll appreciate that because it's like all these nuances that. You know the show didn't have time for, and it's it's interesting. For sure. Okay, another thing we talked about, but I want to bring up again, um because so here's the list of things that makes this a unique story: is that they're adults, and it's not a teenage girl and a vamp and a male vampire, which is really popular. Twilight, Vampire Diaries, Buffy, like those are like the big yeah. ones as far as like TV and movies that come to mind, and this is just not that. That coupling,
1: right? And I also we were talking. I don't know if this is gonna like jump us or anything. Um, but we also talked about like because she's not a teenager, like her style and everything is much different. Like she's, you know, the things that she thinks about as a teacher aren't the same things that like Buffy the Vampire Slayer would would be thinking about as a teenager, and so. It kind of brought in a whole new, if that makes sense. It kind of yes. brought in like a whole new concept, and how we were talking about like how we loved that she just she didn't look dolled up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she just
0: oh, yeah. she just looked like a professor. Hold on a second, Loki. Go! My dog is whining at me. Baby, can you keep him down there? He's like wanting me to play and whining. Go on, go on, go on. Sorry, Holly. I know the. It probably wasn't picking me. up, but he was like whining at me and I was like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the wrong time. Yes. So going back to what you're saying, she did she looked like a professor. She dressed like a professor. Her the things that were in her life that were important to her were very independent and adult driven. And they they could have um made a change and gussied her up from the character in the book to what happened in the series in the tv series but they didn't they stuck to it and i was doing some research and deborah harkness the author was like a huge part of the tv show so um she like approved every casting and um a lot of the costuming and It does like if you look at like she's a nerd, Like she dresses like a nerd because she is one. Right. (laughs) And it's so it's so good.
1: And it just kind of helps because I feel like you can be seen as a nerd even when you're gussied up.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. But
1: if you're going to a job that you love and are literally just surrounded by books, it's like, I don't know, when I get into my book mode oh my gosh like books don't have eyes they don't care what I look like mm-hmm. and so to in one of the first episodes where you see her getting ready for work and all she does is like look in the mirror and then throw her hair up into a ponytail and then heads out the door with a piece of toast and coffee yeah and I'm just like done yeah I've done that so many times uh-huh. just to like go to the library yeah you know and it's like it, it is it's just one of those things where it's like you are so more prepared to do the studying of the book and to find out the information mm-hmm. than you would care to like I mean you do put some care you know you'll wash your face you'll shower you don't look like you walked out of a dumpster yeah but you're not gonna be a professional you know hair stylist and spend an hour on your hair with, but it's it's just that that nuance that they brought in to really just show who she is and what she's focused on. Like, yeah. it just, I really loved how they did that. And mm-hmm. it makes sense that the author was part of the entire casting and everything, because whenever that happens, I usually really love the series. Because yeah. it it does. It, it follows along with what she saw in her mind mm-hmm. and what her story was about and making sure that it sticks to that.
0: Yeah. And so and it's really good cuz like in the book they they talk about how she has like really unruly unruly i can't say unruly hair like it's kind of like she can't control it and they could have flat ironed her hair they could have like made it look pristine but they they didn't and i mean it didn't look bad but yeah the first like couple episodes she's just so excited to go to the Bodleian library and work on her research paper so, she just doesn't do a lot with her hair. And it's not, and I'm not saying that like putting on makeup or getting gussied up and being feminine is bad. I'm just saying this is another thing that makes this story unique because you're not seeing this airbrushed teenage girl. You're seeing this woman that's so excited about her research. And that is her world. And that's what's in important to her. And that's not something that we've seen a lot. And I'm not saying like Bella. Swan was gussied up. She was very plain, but it's it's just the fact that they could have chosen to make this character look different, but they didn't. They stuck to what was like true in the in the book, and that was and that was really great. And I I, I kind of wonder if because it's a it's um, a production of the UK that that wasn't an issue. Because if you watch American films, it's there's just a lot more. I don't know. There's more supermodely looking people. I feel like when you watch American productions versus like things from the UK.
1: Right. Oh,
0: and yeah. on an, on that note, um, this doesn't this isn't part of the list that makes a derivative, but it is a change. So in the book, Isabeau de Claremont was actually like way younger. She like appeared to be in her 40s. And so her and Diana looked way closer in age. And there's like a scene in the second book where she says, move out of the way. My daughter-in-law needs to come through. And like everyone in the restaurant was like, what? Your daughter-in-law? Because they're only like 10 years apart. But they made her older in the TV series. And I actually think it worked a lot better because it gave that more of maternal feel for Isabeau's character. Rather than, oh, your quote unquote mom that sired you is pretty gorgeous. Are you sure you've never had a romantic thing with her? Because it's not like a blood relation when it comes to siring vampires. It's very different. But the fact that they made her older helped to like, for me, to be like, oh, okay, this is actually working for me. I I appreciated that.
1: And that was actually another thing that I really loved about her character that because when you first hear about her, you haven't met her yet. Mm -hmm. And the witches and, you know, uh, the witches are talking about her and they're like, oh my goodness, like you can't stay at her house. Like she caused all this damage. She caused all these problems. Like she killed so many of our kind." And then later you find out it's because they killed the love of her life.
0: Yeah. like Nazi witches, like bad witches. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And not only that, but that because I feel like with a lot of vampire stories, because they have such a long lifespan, they tend to have many a lover. And yeah, that's and this true. I loved that she spent thousands of years with one person, and yeah. even after she died, she never left. Like she refused to change his office because mm-hmm. he was still there with her.
0: This was your husband's office. It's still his
1: office. I loved that they brought that aspect into it. Like, and I'm not saying that this has never been done. Yeah. But to have a couple be in love for that long and to not have flings, at least, or something, you know, it's it's just... It was very, I really loved that aspect. I loved that they brought that in. And then, of course, you also have those other characters that are just like, yeah, no, I don't ever plan on getting married. And I don't ever plan on yeah. being with just one person. Like, yeah. I just want to live the free life. And I'm like, and again, that's totally fine. But mm-hmm. it's like, just to have, like, I loved that they didn't just make one main brand of 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 demon or vampire. Or rich right. in this, like they, like you were saying, like line them all up, and you wouldn't have been able to tell. Who these mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love that she did that in so many more aspects than just the fact that they all look human.
0: Oh, you just reminded me of something. Um Yes, that is true. I never, th- but I've never thought about that before. That Philippe and Isabeau just chose to love each other for years upon years, and there's something. Like, that aspect of eternal love. Like, they had that. And I, it is really, like, heartbreaking but romantic when uh, Matthew says, oh, that used to be Philippe's office. And she goes, that's still his office. And you're just like, oh, my heart. (laughs) Oh, God. And, okay, now Isabel was gussied up, but that's because she's supposed to be. She is one fancy lady and they did great. Like, God, that shot when they're like going to, um, her castle set tour, there's just this like shot of the back of the back of her as she's like walking down these stairs and she, her hair is like impeccable. Just this perfect, like French roll. Oh God. Like even when she goes hunting, she has like, like fancy riding gear on and like leather gloves. And so, but that's because that's her character. She's this, exquisite french ancient vampire (laughs) like i they did good with her i really i really liked that
1: i loved it i loved it it was done
0: so well like it was a great introduction for her character and they did because it's a series they had time to like introduce these characters visually because you don't have You got to do like quick introductions. Like, you know, in Harry Potter, they had a lot to jam into like one movie. But with this, they could take their time and you could see Isabeau walking around her magnificent castle and like looming, waiting for (laughs) Diana and Matthew to come. You you can take time, you know, getting to know these characters. And I thought that was good. Um, You said something. What did you say? You were talking about, I don't remember what you said, but it reminded me of you see like different types of of vampires. So like there's good and bad in every species. I think that was that. Um, Okay. So you kind of see how Matthew and Marcus and Miriam are in their conversations. When Marcus tries to turn his friend into a vampire because he's dying and then it doesn't work. And it's like really sad and really awful. Um, I gotta find that quote. Hold on. I gotta, I have like another page of. So. Matthew is picking up Marcus and they're, they're driving in the car and he says, um, Matthew's kind of scolding Marcus a bit. And he says, did you get his consent as in to turn him into a vampire? And he shakes his head. No, because he's like, he was dying. I was trying to save his life. Think of the risks you took. You could have been seen.
1: James was my friend and a brilliant doctor. I couldn't bear for all that potential to go to waste. You even get his consent. Christ, Marcus! How many times do you have to be told? Right, I messed up. He
0: gets very upset and raises his voice because... And so you see that there's that setup of, you ask for their consent. So with this group of vampires, changing someone without consent is a huge no-no. And so then when you see that, and then you see Juliet and Jaber, Jaber doesn't ask her, he just bites her neck. And drinks her blood and reads her memories, no questions asked. And so it's a really good setup to be like, oh, and then these guys, they don't care. These guys are the bad guys. (laughs) And it was just, it was a really good way to set up what's important to these characters and, and how they act. And then they did the same thing with Satu, the witch that tortures Diana. The first time you meet her magically like grabs the guy she doesn't even touch him and pulls him down to the ground and then she says a spell and the earth opens up and swallows the guy and then he's gone forever (laughs) Right. and so it was it was a really good way to show who you're rooting for
1: (laughs) and then that actually carried me onto another thing that we had mentioned about the territories Mm -hmm. about how like there's you know with some shows it's like if a vampire is not invited into a home he literally is stopped from going into that home. oh yeah yeah um that's not the case it's not the case here yeah they don't go into each other's territories out of respect Mm -hmm. and there are rules that if you are caught in some somebody else's territory they do have the right to basically destroy you um However, if you have not gone into their territory then it's it's a whole like it's amazing the amount of hit I feel like almost like hidden politics were put into this yeah. entire world that a lot of people don't even know about. And uh-huh. it's like, and this is how they run, this is how they survive. If we don't want to start a war, we stay off each other's land. If some of one of your guys comes onto my land without permission, I have every right to kill him yeah destroy it however
0: i want and it's like that's an agreement between the three species and everyone's fine with it which is why he takes diana to Setor because it's de claremont territory and so the fact that a witch comes and kidnaps her it's like okay this is this is war you not yeah. only came out of my territory but you took a guest that i had in my home that was under my protection it's a huge deal yeah. very big deal Oh, it's so good. <laughs> like, I love this show so much. Oh, and I know we talked about this before, but another thing that I appreciate about this is that it's not human and vampire. It's pre- not predator and prey, but it's a vampire, a powerful vampire with a powerful witch. And so they're equally matched. And I don't know if I said this in the last one, but there's this level of restraint for both parties. He has to restrain himself from wanting to feed on her and she has to control her magic so she doesn't murder anyone. (laughs) And so that's, that's, that's another thing that makes this unique is because most vampire stories, it's all about the vampire controlling himself. And it can be a metaphor for like sexual drive, you know, Oh, I don't want to, push this girl to do something she doesn't want to do, but I want to do all the time because I'm a man, you know? And so it's, that is derivative. We've seen that a lot. And this leads into most vampire stories are just a love story. It's just the relationship of the vampire and the human and other things happen around that relationship. But in this story, It's all about the book of life. And the reason that Matthew and Diana meet is because she finds the book of life and it's a huge deal and it has potential to give each of the species like power over the other one. And he's the only one that says, hey, by the way, you might be in danger. (laughs) And she's like, whatever, you're a vampire. We're not supposed to talk go away (laughs) and then people come and they threaten her. And so the reason that they're drawn together is because of this book. So there's this whole other story going on and their love story happens within that story. And that's another reason why this is a more mature kind of like storyline to follow.
1: Yeah. I did love that even in like, (laughs) So when he's first telling her all of that, like, you know, so when you get this book, just so you know, people are going to try and kill you. Yeah. And she is just this, like, whatever. You're a vampire. Da I've heard stories. Da And then it's like, all of a sudden, all these people are trying to kill her. But the people that are trying to kill her are so nice to her because oh, they want to get yeah. close to her.
0: Yeah. And he's just I honest with her.
1: Yeah, oh, my he God. That's like, true. Nice to do Oh, and he, he like, she's like, are you threatening me? And he actually gets offended because yeah. he's just like, no, I'm.
0: I'm warning. warning you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, it was just such an amazing moment. Cause it's like, cause even me in my mind, when I think of vampires, I think, you know, a, an animal type species, like mm-hmm. I think of animal instincts, animal urges, you know, there's those uncontrolled things, the uncontrollable will to hunt kind of a thing that you just, yeah. you know, it's just instincts. And here, they're not just including that, like, they're also including the fact that you just made me sound like a horrible human being. Yeah. I actually, as a person. Like Mm -hmm. that was rude of you. Why would you do that? And it was just like, just such a turnaround for me. I just love that scene. And so, but yeah, I I did. I loved that kind of how he's, I mean, and he seems compared to everybody else, he seems like he's just being an absolute jerk to her. When Mm -hmm. really, once you get through all of it, you realize he's the only one giving her the facts yeah that's not sugarcoating it for her
0: i love i love the way you said that because they're all nice to her like peter knox is like oh i knew your mother and all this and then jillian says come over for tea and spill your secrets you know and she has no idea that they're they are just trying to get the book from her and everything that she tells jillian jillian tells knox and um so when she figures out oh these guys aren't good at all she goes back to matthew and that is a good that scene is really really good it's just her and she's walking and you can tell she's like panicking because she's you know she puts her hand against the wall or the like cobblestone wherever she is and and all these things start to add up and you see scenes of like jillian saying oh these things get out when really you know that jillian's the one that spread them around and uh and she's crying a little bit and then the next scene, she goes to Matthew and she basically says, you said people would come after me and you're right. And he asks her, why did you come to me? And she said, well, oh, you're the only one that didn't want to hurt me. <laughs> and she's asking for help. And what I like about that story is it's, or that part is asking for help. Isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. She wants to know who her allies are. And instead of, um, thinking of the things that she's been taught, witches and vampires don't mix, don't talk to them. She goes, I'm going to get over that because I definitely don't want to be like those guys, the witches that want to kill vampires. And this vampire was only trying to help me. So I'm going to go do that. And that part is like a turning point because she decides to get over that kind of discriminative thinking and she's asking him for help. And I thought that part was like, it was also like a really mature part of the storyline and that and that is when they really start to be like interested in each other because then she starts asking him how old are you (laughs) and it's just such a oh it's such a sexy idea this you know like 2000 year old vampire talking to a historian like that's gonna make any historian excited
1: (laughs) oh my gosh yeah I could I like oh my gosh when he's, like, talking about the people that he's literally had conversations with, like, the uh-huh. many different scientists and amazing people, and she's freaking out, just, like, that's so cool. And he's just, like, it's normal. And I I was right there with her. I was just, like, you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> this is as close as we we're going to get. Like, this is amazing. It, it,
0: it's so good. she, like, there's this look on her face. Um, Well, the exchange, I'm going to do, like, a... Uh, a reaction thing on YouTube where I just like take scenes and I go, this is what's happening in this scene. And this is why it's amazing. But there's this part where she goes, how old are you? And he's kind of standing sideways and he just turns to her and he gives her like this, like kind of smirking smile, kind of like, wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) And he doesn't tell her, he like doesn't tell her until like the fourth episode or something. (laughs) And it's just, it's so, it's so, What's so sexy about that is that it just, one, it hasn't been done before. And two, she's not just interested in him as what he is, but who he is and what he's seen. And that, that's sexy. Like, that is a very interesting concept. And there's even a part in the the series where he's talking to his friend Hamish, who's a demon. Well, do you... Do you love her? And he's just talking about how she is and, and the things that he, you know, the qualities he likes about her. And he's like, well, how does she feel about you? And he says, she's a historian. I'm her latest research project. And he's kind of like, does she like me or does she just like the life I've lived? And he's kind of like a little insecure about it, (laughs) but he's also mature enough to recognize, "I I hope she's interested in me. Not just the life I've lived, which is also really good that they pointed out his awareness of that whole situation. And so oh, it's just so good. It's so good. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I didn't make a list, but some of the historical things he says he knows Charles Darwin. He knew Shakespeare. He knew the guy that came up with that first understood that the heart was a pump. Don't remember his name. And then he knows, he knew Elizabeth Tudor. So he wasn't just like, he was like a man about town, this guy. Like he knew people. (laughs) He wasn't just there when things went down. He like knew kings and queens. And it's just so cool because after they have that initial conversation of, Oh, I'm pretty dang old and he understands that she's a historian, he comfortably brings up things regularly after after they're like starting to get to know each other. Like she's like, "What do you smell?" and he's smelling his wine. He says something about currants and he was like, "Oh, Elizabeth Tudor loved them. They ruined her teeth though." And it's just like, "Oh god, like <laughs> it's just so right. interesting." I yeah, so that is such an excellent way to tell this type of story
1: (laughs) well and i love like again even with that example that you just gave where he, where she's asking like what do you smell Like, Mm -hmm. how do you smell? Like, she wants to see the, it's, in my mind, it says she wants to see the world how he sees this world. Yeah. You know, not only is he much older, but his senses are heightened. Like, Mm -hmm. when we smell a rose, you know, we smell a rose. But if he smells a rose, it could literally just overpower him because his senses are so heightened that he may not like the smell just because it's so strong to him.
0: And he's smelling Um, like other things things too.
1: Things that we don't even notice. Yeah. And it's just like, and he hears things like when he talks about hearing heartbeats and stuff. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, it's like, that's something you can't help. Like, it's just something you hear. But it's like, for us, it's like, you your heart beating right now. Like, we're just standing next to each other. That's so cool. Yeah. And I love that she shows that. Like, she shows that interest, not only in him, but his story. Cool. Like, you knew all these people. But I also love learning about you in this world today. Yeah. Like, I think mm-hmm. they really did a really good job. Sorry, that was a lot of really um, <laughs> good job of, of making sure that they showed that, you know, even though as a historian, he really is just an amazing person to talk to. Mm-hmm. But as a person, he's also just a really amazing person to talk to. Yeah. And then the fact that as they keep going, they realize that both of their goals are the same kind of, are the same goals. Mm -hmm. They both want to make sure that nobody has power over somebody else. They both just want to make sure that everybody's equal. And so they're both just trying to do whatever they can, make sure that this book that can give people the power to overrule everybody else doesn't fall into anybody's hands. That's actually going to try and overrule.
0: Oh, I I am so so excited for you to, like, keep... I want you to read, like, all the books, but you gotta watch... You gotta watch it, and then you gotta read it, but it's worth the wait. Because, like, the, the book is hidden for most of the first book, and for the second book as well. It's only, like, at the end, where they're like, oh, and then, like, something happens. But, like, it is... Freaking worth the wait! It is so good <laughs> what they do with the book. I like didn't expect it. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing! It so, I am so, excited. it's so good. You're gonna nerd out because it's it's really good. Oh, absolutely. I gotta get my phone charger from downstairs. I'll be right back. <laughs> it okay. just it just blinked at me. Okay, hold on. <laughs> okay. <sighs>
1: Welcome back. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Where was I?
0: Okay, well, now I want to talk a little bit about. <laughs> I'm out of breath. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I could hear myself going. <laughs> I like ran up the stairs it's like the worst feeling in the world you're like damn it <laughs> I should not be that out of shape
1: <laughs> well and me, sometimes I forget to take my mask off when I come up on three flights of stairs and by the time I get into the apartment I'm just like oh, I can't breathe I can't breathe and I'm just like I am not this out of shape yeah but yeah.
0: It's like, yep. <laughs> that's a bad feeling Oh man. Okay. So I want to talk a bit about the witchy stuff because it's really easy to talk about him as a vampire and their relationship, but her kind of journey into like finding herself is really cool. And to like read about it in the book and then to see it visually represented. Oh my gosh. Cause it, they did, it was like better than what I had in my head and that, yeah. you know, that rarely doesn't happen at least you're like well, oh, I like the book better it's really easy to like go down that road but I didn't feel that way at all and I think part of that is because it's a series they have eight episodes eight 40 minute episodes to go through a book and so they have time to take time basically
1: yeah to get those little hidden nuances in there and all the little hidden gems that they can pull out and and you might not even realize that it's there until like three episodes later when it's like oh yeah they did do that didn't they yeah I okay I love that
0: uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I th- as if if I what I think of when you say that is um she has these different dreams about spiders and like being like in spider webs and one of the critics said oh well, when you see a woman like have her third dream about spiders you have to wonder how high your tolerance is and I was like yeah but She was, those dreams had purpose. Loki, I can't play right now.
1: (laughs) Baby, can you call him? Go see daddy. Go on. Go get him. Go get him. Go get him. Go get him.
0: Go get him. Thank you. Sorry. He's just like batting at the door. Okay, so she, yeah, she has these different dreams where she's, like, in bed, and she has this giant spider web, like, across her body. And then you, yeah. And I I thought they did really good. And then you find out that she is spellbound, and the way that she's spellbound is that... She was laying in bed as a kid, and her mom was like, okay, honey, we're going to tell you a story. And then her dad did this spellbinding, and it looked like a spiderweb. It looked like they were, like, tying these things over. And as she's getting spellbound, her mom is saying, well, her parents had to tie her up in little ribbons, but one day those ribbons would be free, and she could untie them when she needed. And it's just kind of like, oh, it was such a sad part of the story because she didn't know and so the reason that she felt like she wasn't a good witch all of her life is because she was actually spellbound but they were spellbinding her to protect her from Peter Knox because he basically wanted to like snatch her up and train her at some special I don't know training place and so that's why they did that but what did you think of how how they did that storyline as someone that didn't read the book like Seeing all the spider dreams and then seeing it later, how did you think that that was executed?
1: It definitely so. In seeing the spider dreams, I def—I mean, when they're showing something that many times, uh-huh. you know that they're trying to foreshadow something. Like, and yeah. they're doing it very blatantly, and so you know it's got to be kind of a big thing because they're not trying. You know, a, a, some foreshadowing is just very little, and it's—it's it's kind of okay if you miss it because it'll be thoroughly explain you know it's it's just kind of one of those things that if you miss it it's fine if you catch it it's cool but this was one of those you know foreshadowing moments where it's like you need to know this because this is a big deal this is going to be a big piece later on and Mm -hmm. so I definitely kept trying to think of what it would be for and I just could not I mean I also I'm not gonna lie Andrew can can attest to this i hate spiders uh-huh. they freak me out i don't like them i'm totally fine with them being in nature i'm not going to just sit there and stomp on spiders out in nature because mm-hmm. that's their home yeah however you if you are around me and andrew long enough every once in a while you'll see you hear andrew say holly don't look and <laughs> of so course every time i look but it's if- because he's trying to hide the fact that there's a spider close to me so that he can kill it before I see it. He because should he say, panic.
0: look over there in like the opposite direction. <laughs> that's what should look, do. distraction. <laughs> look at that corner to your right.
1: <laughs> right. Oh, right and left is just as bad. I'm dyslexic. Oh, that's my funny. Right and, left. <laughs> and so usually I'll look to my left and be like, oh, yeah, I'm pointing to my left. you be like, go, go right, go right and uh-huh. everybody just looks at me like do you even know what you're doing right now i don't <laughs> um but yeah and so i definitely saw that sorry full circle okay. i definitely saw that scene as a foreshadowing and so once i did once they did bring in the the fact that the parents had to spell bind her and when you see what that spell looked like and i mean how many of us remember things from when we were super young
0: exactly and it's just
1: not anything like what actually happens yeah because of our kid minds and you know and with the story that's being told by the mom it's very I uh psychologically understandable Uh that that is a dream that she would have because after seeing and I mean it really does it looks like little spider webs that Mm -hmm. are just you know wrapping around and even though the mom's like oh yeah they're beautiful little ribbons just wrapping around to protect the girl but I mean if it looks like a spider web then a kid's gonna be like oh yeah pretty little spider web type. yeah and then as you keep going you just remember that spider web part kind yeah of thing. And it, you lose a lot of it in translation and so it made to me it made a lot of sense that mm-hmm. as a child growing up that that is something that would affect her, especially since it is something that her, because I mean, obviously when you're, when you've got magic, that's that strong and it's trying to literally break out of you. Yeah. I mean, you see that even in the very first episode, like when she first comes on screen, they show her, her magic trying to break out of her. Yeah. And and she hates it. It freaks her out. Yeah. She's like, Oh no, 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 no.
0: And like (laughs) looks around. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. With the papers. Mm -hmm. And so it's, in my mind, it would be very understandable for a brain to do whatever it can because that's the that's another amazing thing about this show. Is I feel like they are very, very in tune with a lot of things that happen to a normal person, right? And so our brains are hardwired to give us answers.
0: Exactly. Like yeah. If
1: we see something, or if we hear something, our brain is hardwired to give us an answer to it. Mm-hmm. If something sounds like water like water dripping that's water dripping
0: right it may not
1: actually be water dripping but our brain immediately matches it up to what we already know Mm -hmm. and something that she already knew was spider webs yeah so it's and for something like that to be such a big deal in her life for so long and for it to be something that really affects her you know as she's growing and just knowing that she's this horrible witch because she doesn't want to be a witch she's Mm -hmm. no good at magic she never has been and it's like okay this is just something i don't want in my life and but you can still feel it inside you Mm -hmm. trying to break out and it's like and to see those spider webs i could like psychologically it just makes sense that that is what the brain would connect to get that answer and so i I just really enjoyed it
0: yeah i'm i'm so glad you did because like In the in the book, it was, you know, like reading like, oh, and then she has a dream that she's covered in a spider web. I was like, okay, but like seeing it was really cool. The way they did it with the music and the lighting was was really good. And I think it did what you said, like it painted this picture of she had this kind of like trauma as a kid. So psychologically, this is her brain's way of saying this is what happened to you. You know, and the and yeah. oh, it's so it was so good. Okay, and that also reminds me. So, um, there's a part where Matthew is explaining to her how he's studying different creatures and they're like, I don't know, DNA markers. There's probably a better way to say that, but he's saying like, okay, here's a witch from 1500, and here's her DNA. Here's one of her descendants. And she has less of the witch markers, meaning her magic is decreasing and this line of witches, the, the cells or whatever in their bodies are decreasing. And he explains that the more witches are depend or the less witches dependent on their magic to survive, like a fifteen uh, witch from the 1500s is probably going to use her magic a lot more than somebody, say, in 2018 that has technology and can buy like groceries from the store instead of tending to her own garden, sprinkling a a little magic on there to make sure that her family's fed. It makes sense. And so he says the less witches use their magic for survival, the more and more it's decreasing. And he says until they'll eventually become extinct. And Diana's reaction to that is... Very big and and she's shocked obviously but when I watched it the second time I real I realized oh because she's not using her magic and so like because as Matthew is explaining he goes the more and more that happens they will and he kind of pauses and and then I realized oh she's not using her magic she's part of the problem and after he pauses he goes extinct so he's kind of like saying yeah. Like if you have kids,
1: yeah,
0: and it's, it's very poignant because she said, I don't want to use magic because my parents died because they used magic and people persecuted them and, and that's how they were murdered. And, but it's also kind of shocking to realize, oh, but if I don't use magic, does that mean I'm part of this problem that my family line will eventually just be human because I chose to not use it? And that's like, that's really, that's really hard hitting. And I do think that that has a lot to do. I don't know if I was in that situation, I'd be like, well, I got to do some spells, man. Cause that is no <laughs> bueno. <laughs> like, that is not good news. <laughs> yeah.
1: Isn't that I crazy? I really thought of it that way. Like, yeah. I, and I definitely understood the whole, like, but I always, you know, even though they said the word extinct and everything I'd always to me it always went into oh they'll become human they just won't have magic right and so in my mind I was like oh they're not really extinct because they're not dying they're just not no longer magical Mm -hmm. but then hearing you say it like that it's like no no like if they no longer have magic then witches will no longer exist
0: yeah they'll just like Like, a witch one day will will have a baby that will be human and they won't have that in common and oh, sad. <laughs> um, there's this. Oh, go ahead. I'm gonna.
1: That drags me over to um the when they're uh and I'm so I sorry I'm sorry I'm so bad with the names. It's the uh the two demons and and are they a couple? The, the, they're married. The, yeah, the couple and the girl is pregnant and later and she's a demon and you know and she's married to a demon and later on you find out that oh yes her parents were witches
0: yeah and that the it's a big she's deal
1: is a witch yeah and it's like and so they're doing everything they can to kind of hide everything It's mm-hmm. like well crap now what like that had never been heard of was yeah. two witches getting together and ending up having a demon baby mm-hmm. and so it's like and I but I thought it was so interesting because it's like as you go back into genealogy obviously you can find out what happened and see that yes you actually do have demon and witch blood in your bloodline Mm -hmm. genes in your bloodline and so that is one it's kind of like and I'm not gonna lie it started getting me thinking on like how somebody can have all brown haired people in their family like mom dad brown hair oldest son oldest daughter second oldest son brown hair and then all of a sudden the fourth kid bright red hair yeah 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 <laughs> and it's just kind of like wait what happens and then later on you find out oh no you actually have a pretty strong you know Irish beam in your family yeah and so you've always had these you they've just never
0: they've just never surfaced before surfaced until yeah now mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: and so I always I thought so hearing it that like that that's how I thought about it was just mm-hmm. all these different, you know, little things all of a sudden popping up and I just thought it was so interesting and I loved that they kind of like they didn't obviously be like, Oh yeah, check out genealogy, but it was just like just nope. Knowing your history, knowing your past yeah. uh, can help you to prepare for your future. And I exactly. like that concept because that whole learning from past mistakes and using it to better the future. I love that concept. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was not obviously it wasn't like a main story, but I loved that it was touched like, on here. And yeah.
0: Yeah. It was a good part of the story. Um, so that couple it's Sophie and Nathaniel, and Nathaniel's mom, Agatha, is on the congregation. So she's a representative for the demons, and they wait to tell Agatha, and she's like and it's Sophie's decision. She goes, No, I need to tell her. And her husband says, No, I I don't think you should. And then she explains and I think that our
1: connection is so strong because. She's a witch, and, well, I was born of witches. You're a witch? No, no, i'm I'm a demon, but but my parents were witches, and my grandparents, and theirs before them.
0: I can't be possible. Does that
1: mean the baby could be a witch?
0: I've got a pretty strong feeling that she is.
1: And you didn't think to tell me? If our baby is a witch born of demons, she'll be everything the congregation fears and wants to destroy.
0: You didn't trust me?
1: My God, Nathaniel! I didn't want to put you in a difficult position. I'm your mother. You come first. Both of you do. I'm this child's grandmother. My loyalty and love are to you.
0: And so that's her saying, like, screw the congregation. If you, your parents are witches and your baby's a witch, I'm going to protect you. And that was a really good moment because she could have gone either way. Because if if the congregation finds out, they could try to kill her and kill her baby and stuff. And it could have been, like, really bad. But you see... Her character and where she's going. And then eventually she gives them information that leads them to Diana. And it's really good. I want to, I got to pull up this quote. Okay. So this is Matthew talking about what will happen when uh, uh, creatures go extinct.
1: It's not going to happen immediately tomorrow, but it's already begun. One day there'll be just one species.
0: Humans. Humans. at first, they won't notice the
1: difference because they've never noticed us, but gradually. Eventually, they'll come to see that all the magic has seeped out of the world. And they'll look around them, and everyone will be the same. And I actually really love how they did that. Um... Because if you think of all these other animals that are starting to go extinct, like even in our world right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And thinking of other animals that have gone extinct. I mean, just look at the dinosaur. There are absolutely none left. There are one and two creatures that are distantly, distantly related, but that's it. And so I like how he said how it's not just gonna be like a big oh my gosh, everything's just been sucked out like a vacuum because mm-hmm. that's not how that kind of stuff works. It's one individual at a time.
0: Yeah. One
1: year at a time kind of a thing. It's, it's never a, just a quick thing. And so, but yeah, I like how he, he mentions how everyone will just start looking around and realize that there's just literally no magic in the world anymore.
0: And isn't that, oh, it's so poignant because it can be used as a metaphor for so many things. Like Mm-hmm. Yeah, animals that will probably go extinct in our lifetime. And, you know, and there's a big concern with bees. And there are people where it's their job just to rehabilitate bees. And then now there's certain regulations, for bee workers with that make honey. There's regulations because it's like, yeah, we want honey. But you know what? We want even more to make sure that bees still exist and are pollinating different flowers. Because if those flowers go away, then that's going to ruin that ecosystem and it's just this huge domino effect and so to think about just one thing going away it, it affects it's it's a huge domino effect and it can be it can be so bad oh it's really it's really a really good metaphor i think which is really good too join us next
1: time for part
0: three Please rate and review and share with your friends if they're little strangelings like you. Thanks for listening. I hope you join us next time. Scare you later.